0: Welcome to the Money Hour with Tina Mitchell. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. The views expressed by the speakers on the following program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. Now, in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell.
1: Welcome to The Money you're on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, April 8th show. I am your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell. My goal is to keep you up to date on the latest news and trends in our local economy. Keep me tuned in, and I promise to keep you informed. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. I'm here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that I have on the show today. Please call the show at one 855 1150 Again, that's one 855 Four hundred eleven fifty, 1150 or online at themoneyhour.com. My lineup for today's show, Elisa Skoglund and Carrie Dutton with Keller Williams Real Estate in Bellevue. We're going to talk about market updates and how to select a winning agent for your real estate needs. Also in studio, I have Alan Parker with 360 Credit Consulting. Credited in Common Credit Reporting Errors is going to be my conversation with Alan. And another credit expert, I have Scott... Shafe with sw group credit repair credit repair and credit miss is our completion for our credit conversation today great information and great guests in studio for more information on any topics discussed please call the show at 1-855-411-50 again that's one 855 411 1150 or online at com. and to start out today's show here's our money chat
2: money money
1: And economic news initial job claims which measures individual filing for unemployment benefits for the first time was reported at two thirty four thousand for last week this was an improvement of 25,000 from the previous report which was revised higher slightly after the two fifty nine thousand the landscape remains the same employers are hopeful for faster growth and are holding on to the holding on to their employees while at the same time it's getting tougher to add more qualified workers now the ADP report shows showed that there were 263,000 jobs created in the private sector in March which was well above expectations of 170,000. Last month's figures however was revised significantly lower by 53,000 from 288,000 to 245,000. Now if you look deeper into the report there were big gains in construction jobs as they grew by 49,000. Manufacturing was also strong, posting gains of 30,000. And even though the ADP and the BLS do not always collaborate month to month, they have trended closely over the past several months and point a very strong job growth. Now, there was important housing news. The CoreLogic Home Price Index showed that home prices appreciated by 1% in February and 7% year over year. This is a slight improvement from last month's 69 shows once again the home prices gains remain very strong. Now CoreLogic also forecasts that home prices will rise by 4.7 in the year going forward and they are usually a bit on the conservative side. This is obviously national news. Uh, much better here in our local market uh, which we'll get into a little bit later. And also I wanted to update you on the Fed minutes from the Fed meeting address of the Fed's balance sheet and their reinvestments of their current mortgage bond holdings. Most Fed members said that the change to their reinvestment policy Policy should occur later this year. In particular, they said that the reductions in the Fed's holdings should be gradual and predictable and accomplished primary by phasing out reinvestments in principal received to their holdings. It is unclear whether they want to stop reinvesting all at once or gradually gradually into it. Their balance sheet has $4 trillion that they're holding and $1.7 trillion of which are mortgage-backed securities. They want to eventually let them run off, and they would like to get the mortgage portion of their balance sheet first. And if they do allow them to run off or sell them, it could be very disruptive because the Fed is still buying 4 to $7 billion per week on an average for reinvestments. Now, this has been supporting mortgage bonds, and if they decide to stop doing this, it takes a big buyer out of the market, and if this happens, it will put pressure on the bonds, lowering the value, and as you know, you've heard me mention before, mortgage rates are directly tied to how the bond market, Fannie Mae, 30-year bond is trading, so interest rates in that case would increase. Now, New York Fed president and voting member William Dudley said, if we start to normalize the balance sheet, that's a substitute for short-term hikes. Now, if we might actually decide at the same time to take a little pause in terms of raising short-term interest rates, uh, Fed president and voting member Patrick Harker said that they may start the shrinking process, possibly by the end of the year or beginning of next year, which would be an appropriate time. Uh, an interesting point regarding the Fed and their balance sheet is that if the feds only hike the meeting with the press conference in June, September and December are the remaining meetings this year with the press conference and the fed wants to let their bond holdings run off by the end the fed should hike both june and september so they can switch their focus and we'll just have to see how that plays out and that's my money chat for today coming up next on the money hour market updates and how to select a winning agent for your real estate needs elisa Skokland and carrie dutton with keller williams realty in bellevue right here on eleven fifty am kknw after this short break
3: Are you looking to purchase a home in today's real estate market and want to get the best representation available? Give Cindy Peschel-Hall a call today and set up an appointment to meet with the Peschel-Hall and Hall real estate partners. Cindy and Richard work together, bringing over 30 years of combined experience representing buyers and sellers. Call Cindy today at
4: 206-930-3526. Hi, this is Cindy Peschel-Hall with Coldwell Banker Bain. You can reach me at 206 206- Our website, PeschelHull.com. Give me a call. I'd love to help you out.
0: You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell.
1: Welcome back to the Money R with your host and mortgage expert Tina Mitchell right here at eleven fifty AM KKNW The Saturday, April 8th show. I am committed to providing the knowledge needed to be successful in every area regarding your finances. Knowledge is power, and that's what the show is about, and that's what you'll receive from listening to the show today. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but you can always call the show. At one 855 1150 that's 1-855-400-1150, or online at moneyyard.com to ask any questions for the guests that I have on studio, in studio. And right now in studio, I'm having a conversation with Alisa Scoglin and Carrie Dutton with Keller Williams Real Estate Bellevue. Uh, we're going to talk on market update and how to select a winning agent for your real estate needs. Thanks, guys, so much for coming in and joining me in studio.
3: Thank you so much. Much for having us, Thank yeah, you. we're gonna
1: have a little girl time now. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm and so I just excited. Realized It's
3: my mommy's birthday today. Oh
1: my gosh! Happy birthday yeah. to your mom,
3: April 8th. Good
1: oh day. my gosh! Well, good thing I can't sing because otherwise I'd sing her happy birthday. So we'll <laughs> uh, we'll get right to the uh, the introduction for you guys and a little bit about uh, Elisa. Elisa loves everything about what the Pacific Northwest has to offer. She took the leap into real estate at the age of 22 and never looked back. Elisa is very person that brings a unique perspective to selling, buying, or investing in real estate. One of her main goals is to empower her clients with the tools that they need to make educated decisions. To Elisa, it's never been about just making a deal. It's about creating a relationship with her clients that will last for generations. And Elisa's 10 years plus in experience in the, both real estate and, well, in, in property management, she has had a great pleasure of working with management and executive level clientele across the Pacific Northwest, including clients from Microsoft, Amazon, Boeing, BNSF, and GLY Construction, which my husband's retired from, to name just a few of the uh, many companies that she has served and worked with their employees. Also in studio with Elisa is Carrie Dutton and is originally from Georgia and moved to the Northwest in 1989, a year... Yeah, one year after I graduated. No, a few years after I graduated. I just wanted to see if my listeners could guess how old I was. She lived in the Seattle area since 1996 and purchased her home in Bellevue in 2001. She's been in real estate since 2001 and before that had experience in retail sales. Um, She spent many years working in single family property management and really enjoyed working as a role tour connecting buyers and sellers. And again, just really excited to have a conversation with you guys. Such an important topic um, for anybody that is looking at buying real estate, selling real estate, or just getting educated on what's happening right now in the real estate market in our local local market. Um, So we're going to talk about a market update and how to select a winning agent for your real estate needs. So I'd like to start out, uh, Carrie, with you. What are the current year-over-year numbers
4: for King County? For King County, we see a price increase of a hundred thousand on average price from two thousand fifteen to 2017 so the average sales price okay. in yeah. King County has go- increased by 100,000.
1: Yeah, that's a is about that's 20%. a lot. A lot of money sitting in that a home bank account for those uh, people that were able to take advantage of that.
4: Absolutely. We're seeing a lot of people that are really cashing in on yes. that investment. In Bellevue it was even better. It's gone up uh-huh. 112,000 um from 2000s 15 until January of 2017, so even better in the Bellevue market. Yes, yeah. The other thing that we're seeing right now, too, is we just looked at the currently active listings uh, as far as condos and single-family homes right now, just by city. We took a look just yesterday, Mm -hmm. and there were only 75 currently active listings in Issaquah. In Sammamish, we saw 62. In Bothell, we saw 70 and Renton we saw 96, and Bellevue had the most at 138. And of the two cities that had the most, we looked at new construction as well. And so Sammamish and Bothell are the two cities with the most... Uh, percentage in new construction making up those listings, so that was interesting yeah. to see that the buildings going pretty steady in Bothell and Sammamish.
1: Yeah, and you know, I'm I heard not too long ago that the normal average for the King County on properties that are on the market available for new buyers to purchase averages around ninety five hundred to ten to, to ten thousand five hundred. So if you look at that in comparison to where we're at. It's crazy, mm-hmm. and we've never seen anything like this, right?
3: It's just, it's insane. I mean, yeah. being a specialist in the Sammamish and Issaquah area, it's just, it's its insane to think how much new construction is actually going up there. I mean, if you drive yeah. up there, you can totally see all of the new construction that's happening, and yeah. even stuff that isn't even on the market yet that's going to be hitting the market um, is just it's we need more roads. <laughs> yes, yes,
1: definitely. Yep. So Elisa, how does um, this influence the sellers in today's market as well as affect our buyers in today's market?
3: So what we're really seeing is buyers are just having a whole lot of uh, competition with the low inventory. I mean, multiple offer situations, not understanding where they need to go, how they need to go about getting the home that mm-hmm. they want. Um, I mean, we're seeing on my one of my Kirkland listings up in total Lake, I mean, we had 33 offers. It oh. went 90,000 over asking price. So it's just, it's crazy. Not a lot of people can understand or grasp the the market right now. And so I think what we're seeing right now is going to significantly change even more in the summertime when more buyers are getting into the market, yeah. more sellers are getting into the market too. Um, sellers need to be careful when they're pricing and not overpricing it. And buyers are incredibly savvy. Um, the huge thing with buyers right now is they have the technology at their fingertips. I mean, yes. our mobile apps that we have um, that we share to all of our buyers, you can drive up to a property, pull it up on your mobile app and mm-hmm. see what's going on. You can also see what the neighbor's home sold for. Uh-huh. And they're just looking off of pictures. They're not actually going into the home, smelling it, scratching yes. it, sniffing, you know, yeah. doing the whole, what's the carpet look like? I mean, in pictures, it can look beautiful, but when sure. you walk into a home... Um it can be completely different. That's why you need to lean on your agent to make sure that they're actually doing the market research for you, previewing those homes, knowing exactly what is in the home. because mm-hmm. you know, pictures are misleading. Yeah, they're beautiful. yeah, sometimes. yeah, sometimes they're not so beautiful. Um, and so, you know, another thing that we like to do is we like to call in the pending sales um, for additional details. You'd be surprised how many agents don't call listing agents mm-hmm. that are pending uh, to know kind of what's
1: happening. And yeah. yes, yeah, makes makes total sense. Carrie, what are you seeing? What are you seeing that is the impact with the buyers and sellers?
4: Yeah, the buyers are waiving so many contingencies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that can be a great thing to do in certain situations, but it's not always the best. And you have to rely on your agent to help guide you and understand what your specific situation is and you know don't go too crazy for it but use the tools that that are out there use the experience that your agent has being in the market going through lots of different transactions and taking classes like we we do a Mm -hmm. lot for you know uh, just our continuing education is is huge and getting other people's experiences and learning but Buyers really have to pick a winning agent if they want to buy in this market. Definitely.
1: You've got to have somebody that is experiencing and getting things, um, getting these offers accepted is so important. So, Elisa, um, are you seeing uh, the same trends as last year as far as the appraisals taking longer times, Um, uh, the rush fees that are getting expected? What are you seeing in the majority of your uh, under-contracts that are happening as far as the appraisals? So
3: last year it was just insane. I mean, yes. I'm sure you remember when we did a couple of mm-hmm. deals together where it was just, I yep. mean, insane. Mm-hmm. But um, kind of what I've been seeing with most of my lenders and including you, mm-hmm. I mean, you guys are right on it. Yep. You guys learned. We all learned from last year. And mm-hmm. um, I think of the biggest thing for us is is getting the home under contract pending right away and not dealing with the inspection mm-hmm. and being able to order that appraisal right away. Exactly. Um I think what you did one for me a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. How many days was that appraisal? I
1: can't remember, but I'm on an average they're they're less than two weeks. Yeah. So I th- think the big thing is just uh, adjusting and communicating, and you know having that rush fee in there, um, so that the appraisals get picked up and the service level you kind of play with it and see who's going to pick it up and what is what short period of time. And then like you said, get the appraisal ordered really quickly, um, submit to underwriting prior to the appraisals coming in, so you got everything all done, ready to go, and you put the appraisal in and. and Go towards closing, so yeah. yeah, I'm not seeing any challenges, um, and I think it's just because, like you said, we're getting used to adjusting um, the sense of urgency on everything that's related to the appraisal. So, exactly, yep. Um, so, Elisa, when sellers are looking for a listing agent to list their home, wh- where should they start? Looking
3: well, the biggest outside of
1: calling the show and talking with you guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the obvious answer. <laughs> I mean, but... <laughs> call Carrie or I. I'm sure
3: we'll be happy to help you. um The biggest thing that I see that a lot of um, buyer, or I'm sorry, sellers are doing, are they're reaching out to their family and friends uh-huh. and colleagues at work. And you know, we get a lot of referrals from past clients in regards to, hey. You know, we're looking to sell our property. Do you know of anybody? And then we're getting referrals constantly over that. Um, The other thing is, is do your research. Please, 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 please do your research. Check Zillow. Um, Just because your family friend's friend sells real estate, um, do they do it full time? Yeah. Um, Are they a realtor? Uh, there is a huge difference between a realtor and a real estate agent Yep. if you don't know the difference between the two please give Carrie or I a call and we'll be Mm. gladly happy to tell you the difference Um, but again just do your research see how many listings they've done what's their turn time Mm -hmm. what do they pay for um, is staging something they believe in those types of things just Again, stress. Do your research, please. Yeah, please it's please, so please.
1: important to have that uh, experienced agent because you want to maximize the profit on on uh, your home. So, Carrie, should sellers be worried if their listing agent represents the buyer as well? What what the industry calls dual agency?
4: I would be very concerned if okay. I were selling my mm-hmm. property and my listing agent was prepared to also represent a buyer in that same transaction. I just feel like you can't 100% represent both persons interests uh-huh. you know and for me if and this is the way Elisa and I work and we work really well together I will hold her listings open hold her open houses uh-huh. so if an unrepresented buyer does come through you know I can represent them yes. while she has the listing and the seller's best interest still at heart. So that works really well so that there's never a question. I never would want my client to look at me and say, hey, did we take that offer because it was the best offer for me, or did we take that offer because you got paid twice. It was the buyer, yes. You know, yeah.
1: I just and it's important for the buyer to understand the, the contract, This it is the seller. I mean, you can't do the dual agency, but the representation really with the agent is with the seller. So. And right. a big
3: question to ask to yourself is, are mm-hmm. you the one that's getting the full value of the market, or is your agent?
1: Yeah, great question. Great question. So Elisa, how are you winning in multiple offer situations for the buyers? This can be an entire show, because I know there are so <laughs> many things that you guys are doing to set your buyers aside. But a couple things.
3: So, wonderful question. I'm actually um, waiting on pins and needles right now. Um, I'm pretty pretty excited for my buyers. We just submitted an offer last night. Uh So, um, some of the techniques that we're doing... um, I'm happy to share them with uh, your listeners because they are your listeners. Thank you, Elisa. You're welcome. Um, Each case is completely different. Um, That's the kind of cool thing about real estate is no buyer situation or seller situation is is the same. Um, But getting as much information from the listing agent as humanly possible, Um, building that rapport and honestly just treating them like... You would want to be treated if you sure. were the listing agent. Would you want your buyer's agent be calling them 24 hours a day, seven days a week and mm-hmm. bugging them and blowing up their phone? Because guess what? If I'm the listing agent and I'm getting 30, 40 calls a day, yes. the last thing I want is somebody calling me time and time and time again. Um the other techniques that we're doing is uh, a handwritten thank you card that we leave um, nice. at the uh, pre-inspection. Um, we're ha- having our buyers do handwritten um, like letters with a family photo if possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gone as far as um, <laughs> delivering flowers uh-huh. to the listing agent on offer review nice. days um, with a bottle of wine that just says, you know, Happy Review Day. Yeah. keep Hope our fingers, fingers hear crossed. from you. You <laughs> yeah. may need yeah. this later. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's um, awesome. And then just making sure that you're, you're doing all your efforts, um, that your buyers are doing all their efforts in order to make sure that they're reviewing all the supplements, right? Sure. Um,
1: that way, then there's no questions. Yes, makes sense. Yep. And we have less than 60 seconds, but I want to get to this question uh, for you, Carrie. Should sellers
4: only be concerned about price or, or do terms matter? Terms, 60 seconds. Terms matter 100%. <laughs> yes. Um, cash is obviously king. But get get the terms that you want. If you need a rent back, negotiate that in. Yes. If you need a 10-day close, make it happen. Mm-hmm. Sellers can dictate that right now, and it's it's a great place to be. Yeah, that is awesome. Um, um, and then real quick, call uh, us yes. in
3: regards to certified results um,
4: that uh, we do. Number,
3: Lisa, will you give that to our listeners? 425 890 3119. And then Carrie Dutton's number is?
4: 206
1: 713 0503. And for all my listeners driving, you can always call the show if you miss that 1 855 400 or go online, dot, uh, online to the money Thank you so much, you guys, for joining me in studio. Great goal power, great show, and just really excited to have you share your expertise with my listeners. You're amazing. Thank you for having us. We enjoyed it. Thanks. Okay. Coming up next to the money hour, credit and common credit reporting errors. Alan Parker with three sixty credit consulting right here at eleven fifty a.m. KKNW after this short break.
3: Here's what Jeremy Holmes, Linwood Homebuyer, had to say about the Madrona Group.
2: We worked with the Madrona Group to help us find a new home for our family. It was my first time purchasing a home, my wife was already a homeowner, and the team was incredibly helpful and informative. I really felt that we had an advocate through the whole process, and every time I had a question, concern, or even something I didn't understand, they would get me whatever I needed. Overall, they went above and beyond, and I would happily recommend them to anyone looking to purchase a home. We give them five stars. Hi, this is Joe Kaiser. And me, Jason Fox. We're the Madrona Group at John L. Scott. You can call us at
5: 206-351-0543.
6: Or visit us online at themadronagroup.com.
5: Again, that phone number is 206-351-0543.
0: You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell.
1: Well, welcome back to The Money R with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, April 8th show. I provide you the news on everything money, fresh information on market trends and conditions in our local economy. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. You can talk with the guests that I have in studio by calling the show at one 855 411 1150 Again, that's one 855 411 1150 or online at themoneyhour.com. In studio right now, Alan Parker with three 60 Credit Consulting. and We're going to have a conversation around credit and common credit reporting errors. Alan, thank you so much for joining me in studio.
6: Thank you very much for having me, Tina.
1: And a shout out as well um, from my existing clients to say thank you for doing my uh, Family Finance and Future online meetup. That was really great to, to have you educate my, uh, my clients.
6: Absolutely. No problem at all. Anytime.
1: And a little bit about Alan. Alan is a certified credit consultant that has been in the industry for five years. Professionally, he has been in customer customer service background for many years, so putting his clients first comes naturally. Alan has worked in hospitality and retail industry before getting involved in the credit world. He understands that credit is complicated, very complicated subject, and his goal is to make clarity out of every confusing credit situation. Alan takes pride in being able to help his clients get on the right path financially. And I love that, um, Alan, because uh, I know as well as you that getting on the right path financially Starts out with credit because everything that we do, credit plays a lot of times a big factor in that. So uh, again, Absolutely. our conversation today, credit and common credit reporting errors. So, what are the most common errors found on credit reports,
6: Ellen? Well, the most common errors that we tend to see on a lot of our clients' credit reports, 80% of credit reports, in fact, have these common errors featured on them. Uh, the errors that I'm talking about are um, uh, duplications, which is the same thing listed twice or even more than twice on someone's credit Credit file. Uh, in fact, uh, the, the the specific accounts that we do see duplications on are student loan accounts, as well as medical collections. That we more frequently see uh, duplicated reported items on the credit report. Other items that we see tend to see a lot is identity theft errors, identity mm-hmm. fraud errors, uh, basically, which means that anything that does not belong to the client on the credit report that was b- featured accidentally due to an di- identity theft issue. Uh, any type of divorce-related issue, which uh, you know means that you know anything that goes against the divorce decree that uh, de- directly contradicts uh, the divorce decree featured on their credit report. Uh, bankruptcy filing errors. Over 70% of bankruptcies yeah, are crazy. filed. Yes, absolutely. Uh-huh. Um, 70% of bankruptcy are filed incorrectly with the credit bureaus. And those are items that we uh, put in through a fine-tooth comb and we make sure that we cleaned up and the reporting accurately on our client's credit files. Yeah. Identity errors is Mm -hmm. the one I almost forgot to mention. Identity errors is one of the biggest errors that we tend to see on our client's credit files. It basically is a mistake made on the credit bureaus behalf. Um, The credit bureaus are having trouble deciphering who's who. So for instance, if your name is John Smith and you live in the Seattle area, for instance, or any type of large metropolitan area, Chances of there being other John Smiths in the area are significantly higher, um, and so I can only imagine how many John Smiths there are in the Seattle area. Sure. And so another John Smith could be a featured on your own credit file, for instance, therefore having an unnecessary detriment to your overall credit score and your credit health, basically.
1: Yeah. So, Alan, let's talk about these errors and the cost to your credit score. I mean, is what sh- what type of impact do these have?
6: Sure. So the cost of your credit score overall, on average, is going to cost you about fifteen to twenty points on your overall credit score. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, exact number uh, the exact number that it's affecting your credit score overall could depend on the other particulars featured on your credit file as well. Yeah. Um, it could depend on how long how le- oh, your length of credit history and things like that um, and what the other particulars are that go into the algorithm that's used to calculate your current score.
1: So, Alan, with your company and the numerous errors, and I know being in the mortgage uh, space, I have clients that all of those things that you listed are very common. So in working with your company, how can you help get these removed?
6: Absolutely. So what we're doing is we're filing personalized investigations on mm-hmm. every negative account featured on their credit file. And basically, anything that cannot be verified directly to the client that we are investigating will get removed off of the credit file, meaning that the credit bureaus cannot supply the necessary documentation that we are requesting to verify that particular negative account uh, reporting on their own credit file. If they cannot, if they cannot provide uh, 100% of the documentation that we are requesting, then by law, those items must get removed from the credit file, and of course, upon the removal, their credit score will increase because of it. And yeah. so that, uh, basically, we operate under the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Everything we do has to do with the FCRA um, mm-hmm. basically states that uh, uh, every credit report out there must be 100% accurate and cannot be misleading in any way, shape, or form, and that's what we are here to ensure.
1: Yeah, and I think that's really important because a lot of consumers don't know that there is the FCRA and the Fair Credit um, Act for them. And I always say put the burden back on the creditor. Absolutely. And, you know, so a lot of those things are, it's kind of just like a speeding ticket. You know, if sure. you take your speeding ticket to a court, chances are there's a high percentage that that speeding ticket's going to be erased. And it's not because you weren't doing that activity, but because instead of the way that ticket was issued. So sure. I, I love that. I use so, that
6: example quite frequently. Yes. <laughs> well, we
1: must be on the same, the yes. same page here. <laughs> so, Ellen, how often do you see credit reports um, that feature these errors?
6: Um, 80% of the credit yeah. reports that I look at have these errors That's that crazy. are featured on them. In different, in different amounts, of course. Um, someone, someone who tends to have a multitude of derogatory content, it tends to have more errors on their file. Yes. Um, it really does depend on what type of accounts that they're holding, what type of accounts that are closed and sitting stagnant on their file, depending on what type of errors mm-hmm. uh, we will be able to find on someone's credit file.
1: So let's shift over to Credit Karma and sure. a lot of these consumer reports, which are uh, really great for consumers to be able to get access to quickly and free to what's happening with their credit. Um, but what most co- consumers don't understand is when it comes to getting a mortgage, those reports, the, the scores can be drastically sure, different. So sure. can you explain and and share why that is?
6: Sure. Yeah, it's no problem. Um, credit Karma is a, is an online scoring model. OK, so they use a completely different set of scoring algorithms, if uh, um, if you will, um, to calculate the the, the uh, consumer's uh, updated credit score currently. Um, there's 52 different algorithms out there. Now, only eight of those 52 algorithms are approved specifically for use in the mortgage industry. Yes. None of those scoring algorithms are used on Credit Karma. Um, and so FICO is the one that generates these scoring algorithms, and none of those scoring algorithms are used on Credit Karma. Credit Karma uses a completely different scoring system called Vantage. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. If, uh, if, if the listeners out there have heard of Vantage, but it's, uh, it's a, a company uh, aden- uh, very similar to FICO, but they use a completely different scoring model system. Um, so for instance, on Credit Karma, your score can go from 500 all the way up to 990. Yeah. In the mortgage industry, your score can go from a 300 all the way up to an 850. Eight, yep. And so it's a completely different scoring model. Vantage scoring system, they have an A, B, C, D, F uh, scoring, uh, scoring system. And so you can either have an A rating for your credit score or, you know, you know, BCDF on uh-huh. your scoring system. In FICO, you can go from poor all the way to excellent, yeah. you know, depending on what your score is. Um, and so, any lender out there will, no one will ever accept a Credit Karma score that mm-hmm. a client would bring into their office. In order for the lender to make a, a reasonable decision on their lending decision, they have to use uh, whatever their middle score is on their own reporting agency's yeah. file that they pull from on their tri merch report.
1: Yeah. So the question would be, why is this? I mean, why don't they just have one algorithm that is used through? Well, and I guess I guess I can answer that question partially because there are st- different risk factors for mortgage than there are for credit cards because there's different algorithms that sure. are going to be used for applying for a credit card than applying for a mortgage. Sure, and sure. So I guess I just answered my own question. <laughs> but it, no is, that, well, is that correct, Alan? Absolutely. In, in the, the, the reason why is because there's all these different. Um, uh, um, pl- that they look at what the, s- the statistics are of risk and that's exactly. why those other rooms are like that.
6: Absolutely. Yeah. Some different algorithms, especially online scoring models are going to uh-huh. take different bits and pieces of information into consideration when they're calculating that uh, particular consumer's credit score at yes. that time. You know, on Credit Karma, they want your credit score to look big, you know, just because of all the marketing and, and, and sponsorships that they have. And so basically every single nine uh. times out of 10, your credit score is always going to be bigger on Credit Karma versus is, um, in a mortgage industry poll.
1: So here you go, Luke, to, to our listeners out there. It's really great so that you can see what's going on with your credit report, but not so great um, mm-hmm. if you're looking for that actual uh, credit score. You know,
6: yeah, and let me clarify. Credit Karma is a great way to monitor your credit. Yes. It's a great way to get, to get a good understanding of where your credit currently sits. Yes. Because keep in mind, your credit score today is not what your credit score is going to be tomorrow. Yes. And so that's a very important piece of information to the, for the consumers out there to realize. Yeah. Um, and so um, it's just a completely different set of scoring algorithms that are used on online versus in the mortgage industry. Yes. In the mortgage industry, there's only eight specific scoring models that are used to generate a tri merch report for a prospective yeah. borrower.
1: Yeah, interesting. So Alan, how are credit cards calculated in your credit score?
6: Yeah, sure. So credit cards make up 30% of your overall mm-hmm. credit score. So basically, that's how important credit cards are. Out of 100% of the different sections that make up your credit uh, score in the mortgage industry specifically, 30% of that is just your revolver accounts. And so that's how important credit cards are. Uh, And so if you have no credit cards whatsoever, you're missing out on 30% of your total score potential. Mm -hmm. If you have one credit card, that one credit card is solely responsible for 30% of your scoring potential. The more credit cards you have, it gets divided up evenly. So two, each of them are worth 10%. If you have three, or excuse me, if you have two, each of them are worth 15%. And three, each of them are worth 10%, so on and so forth. And so it's a big window. It's a big um, look into how reliable you are You know for Perspective uh, lending decision.
1: Yeah, everybody knows paying uh, your bills late obviously have a negative impact on your credit score. Um, What a lot of people may not know is you actually have to reach that 30 days before it actually is going to get calculated or sent to the credit bureaus. But how does delinquent accounts calculate into your overall credit score?
6: Well, delinquent accounts is very it's a unique because any any delinquent accounts that we're talking about, you know, any accounts with late payments on them, Mm -hmm. collection accounts, whether it be a regular collection account or a medical collection, foreclosures possessions, uh, any type of public record like a bankruptcy, tax lien or judgment. Those are uh, those are unique because they're also inclusive in the payment history section mm-hmm. on your credit report which makes up 35% of your total credit score potential. So 35, your payment history section makes up 35%. It's the largest section that makes up your credit score potential. Um, uh, anything you make payments on, credit cards, student loans, mortgages, mm-hmm. auto loans, it goes into that section as well. But it's also inclusive of your derogatory content. Any, every, All the derogatory uh, accounts that I just listed, bankruptcies, all the way up to late payments are also yeah. inclusive in that section as well. And so um, there, any late payment, anything like that, could be severely detrimental to your overall credit mm-hmm. score.
1: So share about uh, length of credit history and the importance of that when it comes to your credit score.
6: Absolutely. So um, your length of credit history is the average of all of your open and active mm-hmm. accounts. And so let's say you have one credit card and that's the only type of account that you have on your file. That means you have tw- and you've had that credit card open for 20 years. That means you have 20 years of credit history mm-hmm. um, for that particular account. Now, let's say, you know, like uh, during Christmas time, uh, a lot of credit uh, uh, Consumers out there, they open up uh, different departmental store credit cards. They go to Macy's. Macy's says you will save you forty percent if you mm-hmm. o- on your on your initial purchase if you open up a brand new account with us. It's a very attractive offer. A lot of our clients do that, but what they don't understand is that as soon as you open up a brand new account, that's going to affect the credit history that you've already established. Yes. Um, and so, for instance, let's say you have you know two credit cards you know uh, open for the last twenty years and they're both in good standing. And during Christmas time, you open up a Macy's card, a Kohl's card, and a Target card. What they don't understand is is that that's affecting your overall length of credit history that you've already established, and it's going to be severely reduced. So instead of 20 Mm -hmm. years of credit history, now you have somewhere around 8 or 9 years of credit history because of the ratio of of open and active accounts that you have open.
1: Yeah, and I tell people it's so important that you need to consult with an expert before you do anything on credit because there are things that you can do that you can't fix, and the worst thing would be closing an account that's over two years, never close the accounts out, because yes. once you've closed out that, that account that has that history, yes. you can't reestablish it until you gain that history back, so Absolutely. it can be devastating that you can't fix that. Exactly. Um, how in, uh, So what happens to your credit when you open new accounts? So I know mean, you talked a little bit sure. about that, but let's talk about the, the impact on that.
6: So as soon as you open up a brand new account, that goes into the new credit section and your mm-hmm. overall credit score potential, which makes up 10% of your total uh, score uh, potential. Um, and so you can lose points in this, category, in this section based on one of two categories. As soon as you open up a brand new account, your points are going to be reduced because FICO wants to see how you deal with these brand new debt obligations. Yes. And so let's say you open up a brand new credit card. That credit card may not report for at least 90 days because you're on this probationary period. They want to see how you're going to use this account, whether or not you're going to spend it responsibly. Are you going to max out the card? Are you going to make your payments on time? Mm-hmm. Are you going to stay? Thirty percent or less of your debt-to-limit ratio on that specific account. If that accounts in good standing after ninety days, you will see it pushed through, and it will be it will come into a, into consideration on your credit report and get calculated into your updated score.
1: Yes. Okay. So to wrap up uh, my time with you, Alan. Is it possible to get a perfect credit
6: score? <laughs> the perfect credit score, I believe, is a myth. I know, uh, I've never seen one. Especially in the mortgage industry, um, you I've know. seen,
1: I've seen close, but <laughs> sure, yeah,
6: I've seen close as well. But you know, in the mortgage industry, the best score you can possibly achieve is an 850. Uh huh. I personally have never seen an 850 on I paper. I have never. You know? I haven't either. And some of the parameters that are that FICO wants to see someone have to even get close to having a perfect credit score out there. They're talking. They want you to have two or three installment accounts. About a 20-year average history that mm-hmm. are about 95% or more paid down. Yeah. On the other half, they want you to see about three revolving accounts, average length of credit history of 20 years apiece mm-hmm. with 1% utilization or less. Yeah. And so I, I mean, maybe I don't even think my grandparents and have ratio. that. Yes, exactly. yes. The perfect ratio. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. The perfect ratio, exactly. But even uh, you know, if you go to apply for an auto loan, you go apply for a mortgage loan, or apply for a credit card. Those are all three hard hits on your credit on your mm-hmm. on your credit score. And so that inquiry could cost you anywhere between two and 10 points, something yeah. like that. Um, and so once you uh, pull your credit there report, goes that there goes score. that perfect credit score. So you'll never <laughs> yeah. see that on paper. Yeah. So the perfect credit score is a myth. Yeah. <laughs> nice
1: way to, to end the show. Yes. Alan, thank you so much for, um, for coming in. I, I really appreciate your time and look forward to having you back in studio again
6: soon. Tina, anytime. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: Coming up next to The Money Hour, more about credit. We're going to talk about credit myths with Scott Schaaf with SW Group Credit Repair right here on 1150 AM KKNW after the short break.
2: Is bad credit holding you back from getting a loan? The credit experts at SW Group can help you get back on the right track. Their team of experts has helped hundreds of people across the country fix their credit and get approved for the home of their dreams. Take charge of your financial future today. Call Scott Schaaf at 954-531-2153. Again, that's Scott Schaff at 954-531-2153.
0: You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk AM 1150, Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell.
1: Welcome back to the Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert Tina Mitchell right here on eleven fifty AM KKNW, the Saturday, April 8th show. bringing in expert advice and inside knowledge on today's events in our local economy and how they can affect your money. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, you can call the show at one 855 411 1150 Again, that's one 855 Four hundred eleven fifty, or go online to the dot com to discuss anything regarding money or talk with the guests that I have on the show today. And right now, conversation with Scott Shafe with SW Group Credit Repair, and we're going to be talking about credit repair and credit miss. Scott, thanks you so much for not joining me in studio because you're a little ways away, but having a chat with me over the phone, I appreciate it.
5: It's always great to be back on again, Tina.
1: And a little bit about Scott. Scott is a nationally recognized credit expert and the president of SW Group, a private referral based credit repair organization that works with lending banks across the country, including myself, to assist consumers that have some credit challenges. And so I'm excited about our conversation and talking about uh, credit repair, also talking about credit myths. Um, Always fun to hear what the myths are and to give some clarification on that. So let's just start out, Scott. If you can share. Share with my listeners what is SW Group?
5: Yes, SW Group is a credit repair organization and there are lots of credit repair companies that are out there. Uh, we're a private referral based credit repair organization. Basically we work with banks across the country and primarily deal with people that are interested in purchasing a home. And they're not able to get approved because they have questionable negative items that are on their credit reports, such as collections, judgments, tax liens, bankruptcies. things that are on their credit report that are holding them back. And using federal law, the Fair Credit Reporting Act, Fair Debt Collection Practice Act, Fair Credit Billing Act, there's a bunch out there, in a lot of cases we're able to dispute those negative items and have them removed from the credit report.
1: So if my listeners um, don't have the credit score that they're, they're wanting, they're applying for a mortgage or they're trying to get a car loan or anything else that they're trying to do, maybe get a job because employers are looking at credit as well, what can a consumer do right now to help their credit scores?
5: Great question. Everybody that's listening has a credit re- report and score that's out there. If they were to pull it, they're going to have something that's going to report, whether they're going to a local store to apply for a store card, a home, a car, What can you do to help your credit score? And there's a lot of just lack of knowledge out there. So the best thing you can do is pay down your balances on your credit card. That's the most actionable method that you can do. And the magic number is 30%. -hmm. So if you have, and it's all of your credit cards combined, there's what's called a utilization ratio. And that is where you add up all of your credit cards and your total limits versus what your balances are. And if it's above thirty percent, Tina, unfortunately, that's gonna harm your credit score. And a lot of people don't know that. So you wanna make sure always, always, always keep your balances down low to help your credit. And if it's if it's high on one credit card, it's like all the rest of yours are zero balance, that's okay. It's the overall total of the limit versus the balances.
1: And I think that's pay. good to mention, that's Scott, because one. that could be a, a myth, in that it's not per individual credit card, but add them all up. So if there's an opportunity for you to pay down, it makes more sense for the other one, get that overall revolving sure. debt to that. Sure. You 30.
5: might have a yep. 0% interest promotional rate and yes. you want to switch all your balances over to that card. That's fine. And a lot of people think, well, you know, I spent a lot of my credit cards and I paid on time, so my credit must be good. They don't know that, yes, paying on time is is a big portion. I mean, paying on time and and your balances are like 65% of your scores.
1: Yes. So, yes,
5: paying on time is always important. But they don't know that if your balances are high above that 30%, it's going to negatively affect you. And bringing those balances down below 30% will dramatically increase your credit in a lot of cases.
1: Any other quick tip to increasing credit? Accounts. Yeah, I was. Yep, <laughs> I was. <laughs> big, big um, mistake that you can't recover for, from is closing down uh, those accounts. Any other quick things that you can do for um, cre- increasing the credits your credit scores?
5: Well, just to go back briefly on the on the closing of the accounts, I, I hear this a lot. What people say: Well, you know, I have this Discover card with five thousand, ten thousand dollar limit, and I never use it. They think if they close it, it's going to help their credit mm-hmm. because they don't need it. And that is the absolute opposite. Yes. It will help your utilization ratio. Keep it open. You don't have to use it. You know, I recommend you know, fill up a tank of gas. If you don't need to use it, use it sparingly pay it. Just mm-hmm. show a little activity on it. And then you will get offers for increasing your limits more and more. You don't, again, you don't need to use it, Yes. but it's good to have it as a tool in case you need it in the future.
1: Yep. So, uh, Scott, what is the the difference between credit repair versus debt consolidation? Can you share that? Because completely different.
5: Yes. Credit repair and debt consolidation are two completely separate things. When people get into a situation where they have bad credit, they have collection accounts, they have public records, perhaps maybe judgments or taxing, they can go three different ways, really. One, they can do nothing, which obviously you don't want to do. Mm -hmm. Number two, you could go to a debt consolidation company. And what that is, is going to a company where they will get all of your debt and they will get down to one payment with a company but that's going to negatively affect your score it's going to reset the statute of limitations on the account every situation is a little bit unique however a lot of times we catch collection companies in violation of federal law they don't have to necessarily pay for credit repair is having the items just permanently removed from the credit report with debt consolidation the item is still there it just shows as a paid collection which if you come to us after that, we're still going to go after a paid collection, because it's still showing as a collection, and unfortunately, a lot of times paying the debt it just switches it from a collection to a paid collection, and that still negatively affects you. It's the fact that you allowed it to go into a collection status so in the first place, that it negatively affects you. That's why it's best to just have it removed from the report, if possible.
1: Yeah, so what if you do you do credit repair? So, you know, a listener calls you for credit repair. You go through that process of anything that's in violation um, of how it's getting reported. That's how those get deleted. And then with the remaining items, um, if it makes sense, you go do your debt uh, consolidation on that. And then you come back and get the credit repair from the debt consolidation because there might be more violations. Could that strategy work?
5: Yeah, every report is a little bit unique, but if we exhaust every single aspect possible and it's still not being removed, mm-hmm. then there's a, a good approach, which is doing a settle and delete, which is where you agree to settle and they agree to remove it from your credit report Got it. as well. But that's a rare instance. In a lot of cases, we're pretty effective, but it does happen occasionally. But that is a backup, you know, for the for the very end of the credit repair process, because otherwise you, you basically avoid paying a lot of collections and having a refresh of the statute of limitations on your credit report for another seven years it's best to try to get whatever you can off your report and then whatever just no matter what you can't get off then deal with it at that
1: point yes so scott can you share the difference between sw group um different versus um, other credit repair organizations in the industry
5: yes there's a lot out there Popular ones like, you know, I'm sure everyone's heard of Lexington Law and other big companies like that. When you call a major company like that, what they do is they charge you a low monthly fee to just drag out the billing process and the credit repair process. You speak to somebody different every single time you call. They are just reading a script off a computer. And I can't say every single representative there, but for the most part, they just look at you as a random person on the phone, and there's no real motivation for them to actually care or even know who you are with SW group you have a personal contact here that knows exactly who you are and if you are referred in from a mortgage broker they know exactly who the mortgage broker is we're in communication with the mortgage broker and we have a much more comprehensive approach and the the results and the uh, Amount of effort and time that's put in is night and day compared with a lot of other companies out there. But there are other private companies that do do a good job. But if you go to one of those mainstream ones that are massive, you're going to get much less service than, than you will with us.
1: So, Scott, I want to um, switch over to Miss. And, I. you know, the first one I, wa- I want to ask about is uh, collection accounts. And I always advise clients, they, you know, they need to talk to an expert to find out exactly, you know, what to do and when to do it because it can be devastating. We already talked about it closing, you know, revolving credit cards that you're not using. It could be very damaging if you go close out accounts that have a history. Um, what about collections when, because there are times I mean you don't want to close out a collection either because of that same reason of closing out credit cards. And instead, you want to wait and have that addressed and taken care of at closing. Can you shed on that myth why that is?
5: As far as which collection, uh, run that by me one more
1: time to make sure I understand. Yeah, so is, is not, we know that a, a portion of your credit um, scores is the pie chart is based on the history of that actual account and, you know, how long you've had that account. And that's why when you're you are stating not to pay off revolving credit, to close down revolving credit cards, because if you do, you've lost that history on that account. So, And you can't get it back if you've got an account that you've had for 10 years and you close down that credit card now you've lost that history for that 10-year period. So on collections and paying collections off, instead of just having them taken care of at closing, once you pay those collections off, a lot of times that you've lost the history for that account once that collection has been paid off. Can you, um, what's your, what's your uh, comment on that?
5: Right, yeah. The account history is 15% of your credit score, mm-hmm. which is, important obviously but it depends on every collection account obviously is gonna every situation is different. It yes. depends on the loan. And that's something that you know, for example, if you go to another credit repair company, they're not gonna be speaking to your loan officer. If you even ask them to do it, they're gonna number one, they're gonna have no idea what they're talking about uh-huh. when they call them. So we're gonna the loan officer is gonna instruct us, but if it's a collection account, we wanna get it off the report because it's gonna negatively affect them more having it on the report than the account history is because it's going to be negative account history. So it's best to just get it off of there and collect an account. If it's removed from the report, it doesn't exist and you don't have to worry about paying it to have it removed from your credit report. Now, civilly, you know, that's going to depend on whether they want to come after you for it. More than likely they don't and it goes away because the of limitations collect on civilly goes away in about four or five years. Mm-hmm. But going on more to this. Credit reports that you see online, and when you go into a bank, you know, people go to Credit Karma, and I'm sure you see this all the time, and they say, Wow, I have a 740. And then they go in to buy a home, and you pull the report, and they have a score that's much lower. That's a huge myth that exists.
1: Mm-hmm. And the reason
5: being is banks pull a different credit report than consumer sites do, and people don't realize that. They think that when they go to a website and they pull their credit report, yet the items on the Well, depending on the site, number one, if you ever go to an online website, you want to make sure that you have all three credit bureaus, because a lot of them will maybe only give you one or two. And that's not giving you an accurate reading, because as we all know, you have three credit bureaus that are going to be reporting, mm-hmm. so you want to have all three. And your credit scores are going to be different depending on who is pulling the report online websites are not the same scores the information is going to be as far as the items is going to be accurate but when you go into a bank and they pull your actual scores it's based off of whatever fico model that bank is using to pull your report
1: yes so, Scott, I've got a minute left here uh, with you before I'm, I'm wrapping up the show. What would be a call to action that you would like to uh, encourage my listeners to take?
5: Anybody that's listening that has credit, that there's there's negative items that are on there, collections, judgments, public records, bankruptcies that they would like to have cleared up, all they need to do is call into the show, and we will provide a free consultation go over everything thoroughly with them a lot of times they might need to lower their balances or perhaps they just have a bunch of collections and nothing positive we can instruct them on how to get approved for positive items to reflect on their credit report that will help to start them to be able to build credit and then eventually be able to get approved for unsecured lines of credit and go from there and just (laughs) From then on, just have good credit for... But if it's not, they're just going to sit there with credit dead in the water. It's yes. not going to go anywhere. So it's best to be proactive with it, move past it, and move forward.
1: Great advice, uh, Scott. Thank you so much. And I appreciate your uh, wealth of information on credit and helping uh, my listeners have a a great financial family because they've got great credit to go along with that which really just kind of ties into everything be
5: proactive yes not ignore it and and ignore the elephant in the room be proactive fix it move forward and not have to worry about walking in somewhere about getting approved or not
1: yeah makes sense scott thank you so much
5: Thank you, Tina. Always a pleasure.
1: And this is your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, signing off for the day. Everyone enjoy your Saturday and the rest of the weekend. I look forward to speaking with you next Saturday right here at on 1150 AM KKNW.
0: Tina Mitchell, MLO145420, is a licensed loan originator with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. Views expressed by the speakers on the preceding program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC.